2: We are so sorry about the ads. They are a nightmare in every way, but with your donations, we can get rid of ads someday.
3: Beautiful, Kevin. Mm, thanks, Rob. Bach and Harnik are smiling <laughs> so your big right out. now. <laughs> Friends, yes, we are back with a new plea, much like those adorable puppets from Avenue Q. We are asking for you to give us your money. <laughs>
2: for those of you who have headed over to Patreon to throw a little money our way, we thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. Your
3: contributions are the only budget. We have for this show and it provided us a new soundboard and better studio
2: space. So a uh, thank you. Thank you. And as you know, nothing is more fulfilling than talking to the legends of Broadway and hearing them share their thoughts, wisdom and talents with all of us. However, it does cost money. And if you want to help us keep the show going, please head over to
3: Patreon.com. That's P A T. R-E-O-N dot com Search for Behind the Curtain And you can give as little as a dollar a month And trust me, that dollar will help us More than you will ever know
2: Plus, for certain monetary donations You will get to pick your favorite thing And have advanced knowledge of our future guests So you can ask the legends your own questions
3: Or you can simply leave canned goods
2: and an original cast recording of How Now Dow Jones outside our doors if you don't want to contribute on Patreon.com. Truth. So once again, please head over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com to help us out. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is
3: Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends.
2: And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can always listen to our podcasts on Broadway World and Stitcher.
3: Over 90 is a term that can be ascribed to our guest in two ways. One, it's the answer to how many musicals our guest has served on as a music coordinator. And two, it's the answer to how many years young he is. But you'd have no idea by spending more than a minute with him.
2: That's so true. Our guest today is one of Broadway's most respected music coordinators. With his first Broadway credit in 1973, An Evening with Josephine Baker, soon it seemed like every major musical on Broadway followed, including Nine, Dreamgirls, Mystery of Edwin Drew, The Revivals of Anything Goes and Guys and Dolls, and most recently, An American in Paris, my favorite musical, Violet and Bright Star. If you've got, you know, a whole day, you can read his IBDB page. Just yes, go, and go through it.
3: To define the role of a music coordinator and to tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Julie Stein, Stephen Sondheim, Benny Goodman, Michael Bennett, Tommy Dorsey, and countless others, here is the Tony Award-winning music coordinator at the legendary Seymour Red Press.
0: Wow. Wow.
3: <laughs> wow is right. Wow is right. Oh, my
0: <laughs> gosh. Okay, a couple of corrections. We love yes, corrections. A couple of corrections. My first musical was in 19... 19- 57, not 77. Yeah. Uh, I was not a contractor. I was a player right. in an orchestra. Oddly enough, that's the same year I got married. And that same year, at the end of the year, I uh, did my first show. It was called Body Beautiful. Body Beautiful, right.
2: Do you have heard or of Bach, that show? Bach and Harnick. It was Daca? one of their first
0: shows. Well, you're, you're pretty, yeah. you know something. <laughs> Uh, we'll yes, it was their first musical. Uh, the body beautiful, wow. Sheldon and I, that summer before the show, were both working in a summer resort that did broad that did shows. They had the, on the staff were. Uh, Dancers, singers, right. choreographers. Was this in the Catskills? Not in the Catskills. Okay. In the uh, La- Lake George
2: oh, right. area,
0: and that's where I met my wife. Oh. And um, they they did. It was sort of, sort of like a uh, oh god, not a not a book musical, right? Like a review or something. Review, yeah. Right, and. They have, We had a star as well, but what happened was, and I, I don't believe I ever met Sheldon, mm-hmm. although we were both there. He, he was the lyricist and names, here we go with names, Annie. Uh, uh, Martin Chardin, Charles no. Strauss. Charles Strauss, Strauss yeah. wrote the music and <laughs> they were there that season. I believe neither one had done a Broadway show. Right. They yeah. probably had written for reviews right. and stuff, but at the end of that year, we did Body Beautiful. The Body Beautiful was a prize fighter, not a sex act. Right,
2: right, right. <laughs> right. It was about a boxer. And right.
0: uh, it was my first show. Uh, I had. I'm Jewish. I had married a wasp, who had a son, and I spent my first Christmas in Philadelphia <laughs> with my wife and and, wow. and new son, new yeah. wife and new son. We bought a tree, and I was inducted into a different <laughs> world. <Okay. laughs> the show, of course, was not a. F-
2: Big head. It was not a big head. It, it was not a big
0: head. And uh, we knew nothing. We heard an audience laugh and figured, well, I'm. I, right. I, I was. I was. Up till that point, I was a big band musician right. and freelance, uh, doing record dates here in New York. Right. Uh, except for when I was on the road for over a year traveling with road bands. Uh, I had never worked for a full year straight in New York City, uh-huh. right? And uh, that's why I moved into the theater, hoping to get, now that I was married, I had not a child to right. get a, a steady job, right? So we had hoped that it would be a steady job, but it wasn't. Hmm. But that was the beginning, and I became very busy as a sideman on Broadway, so at this time, we're, did, did theaters have their own house band still? No. Every, the, every theater had what was called well. four house men. Gotcha. Usually they were strings, and they would play with every show that came in. And uh, if, if the theater was closed, they were out of work. But, right. but any show that came into the theater had to use those more. Okay. Consequently, they were mostly string players because yeah. that's the easiest to hide. And <laughs> they had to hide, a lot of them. <laughs> because they of course, politics centers. That's right, I've read that. And yeah. the union. And yes. the union yeah. Before the uh, disappearance of housemen, I became a houseman by accident. Uh... I did a show called, uh, all right, it was, was again, Charles Strauss, with Lauren Bacall. Applause. Applause. This is a fun game. Right, you're going to help me a lot. Oh, I love this game. This is great. You like that? (laughs) You like that? Good. Um... I took it on the road because yeah. uh, before then, most of the time shows did travel. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm. I've jumped in about nineteen. We're about nineteen seventy now. That's right. We don't go Nineteen seventy. and I did the show on the road, and we went to two separate cities. I think Baltimore and Detroit. I think it was the second one. That's right. And when we came back to New York, we went into the Palace Theater. Mm-hmm. Well, as long as I'm on this, I'm going to give you some history, really. history, yes, My history. Yeah, right. please. Yeah. One of the house four, there were four housemen, three were strings, and one was a saxophone player. Mm-hmm. The saxophone player was the contractor in that theater and happened to be a very close friend of mine. And who we had played together as sidemen in in different shows, we lived in Queens. We used to get together, play flute duets. Yeah. Uh, we had we met families, got together, his family, my family, and now he had gotten that job. Right. right? So whenever he took off, he appointed me as his sub. Right. And ultimately, he there because he had gotten a, a job out at westbury theater which was year round and felt that he was more secure right. there with and so i became a house <laughs> contractor of the palace pa- at the palace normally that job is pays more money and it's nice but it is, you're not the contractor who hires the orchestras. Right. You do the payrolls, but the orchestras were hired by, let's call them producers, contractors. So it's a job that doesn't go very far, right. but you do earn more money at it, and it's, it's good. But the palace was different. The palace, when we didn't have a show, Acts came in, right? Because it's the palace. It's yeah. the palace. Yeah. If you remember, there's a whole big deal it's about. I worked at the palace. That's right. Yeah. Right. So, when bands orchestras, when a, an act came in, the producers at the palace, so general managers actually, have to hire an orchestra and they came to me, and I had never hired any an orchestra for them, said, can I do that? I don't wanna go, in. I did I did get a Tony, by the way, and I, I made this speech at the yeah. Tony. I hate to duplicate myself, it's okay. but the woman who ran it said to me, if you don't bring in a, a good orchestra, I'm going to kick you the fuck out of here.
2: (laughs) Okay, wow. All
0: right. So I did bring in a good orchestra, and they liked me, and I hired orchestras for them for the couple of years that I was there. And then she, whose name was Nell Nugent. Oh, yes, producer, yeah. And and, uh, and the other woman, Not Liz McCann. Liz McCann and Nell Nugent left their jobs. They were running the theaters for the Needland organization. They left, became independent producers, and started to bring stuff on Broadway, and took me with them. So now, I was a Broadway contractor. Now, if there was any other theater that I had been in, I don't know whether my career would ever have
2: gotten... Because you met them, and they took... They
0: met them... It's the Palace, not not all the other theaters. Right. It's Nell Nugent leaving the Palace, right. which was their my good luck right. for their good luck <laughs> because they were very, very successful. Yeah. And uh, I've had a relationship with uh, Liz McCann over the years because we, we did stuff together. Nell sort of moved out of that... I think she did movies and stuff, right. and occasionally I've seen her. But that's how I became a contractor. Wow. So if if you wanted that history, you got I it. I love it. Thank you. You got it. That's
3: fantastic. Okay. And what a strong directive. Get me a fucking band. I know. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's that's great. That lights a fire under you. So now we're gonna jump back in time. Okay. Growing up in the Bronx. Uh, yes. What was the first instrument you ever held? Saxophone. Why the saxophone? Why don't you want to play alto sax?
0: My father was a salesman, but he was a frustrated musician. Mm. Taught himself to play the piano and played it pretty well. had a drum set, little drum set next to the radio. And when the bands would come on, he would play drums Whoa. with the band. And, you know. Wow. And he had a cousin who was a successful saxophone player. And I believe that is why one day he came with me and said, how would you like to play the saxophone? Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said, this was in the era of Benny Goodman. Right? Yeah. You know, because I'm talking 1938, mm-hmm. right, in, in that area, 30, 39. Yeah. Um, he took me to his to the piano and he said, he was che- checking my ear right before I played a saxophone, right? And he played a low note and then he played a high note. He said, which is higher? <laughs> and that was his check, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: complicated. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's
0: great. <laughs> All right, so at the beginning... We weren't rich. My, my father, as I said, was a salesman. Uh, we lived with my grandparents, mm. so you, they didn't couldn't even afford to have their own apartment. My grandpa, my grandfather, uh, this is on my mother's, my mother's side, came from Russia. No. came from actually what was Poland. Mm. But then it became Austro-Hungarian and, you know, it, it changed a lot. He came here poor, got a job as a waiter, owned his own restaurant, ultimately, owned two apartment houses in the Bronx, aside from a home, a beautiful home for the Bronx. And the lost it all, except for the home, is all, where he lived, lost it all in the Depression. Wow. Okay. So, my father not being rich, we lived on the second floor of their home, they lived on the main floor, and the kitchen was on the main floor. Uh, did not immediately buy me, my father did not immediately buy me a saxophone. You wanted to see how I did. There was a school, 50 cents a lesson, that had their own saxophone. And used to go in. I think I bought a mouthpiece. You'd go in and practice, if you wanted to, at the store. And every day, I would come home from school, I would go to the store, and I would practice. Because I loved it and particularly during that era when saxophones with all the, the big bands and the yeah, saxophones... Yeah, you on the radio and you would hear yeah, that right. sound. Yeah. Um, and when he saw that I was so attached, then he bought me a saxophone, mm-hmm. right? And also started to get private teachers rather than my going to the fifth century school. Um... When I was, soon after I started the saxophone, I would say eight, two years maybe, we organized a band, a right? little band, three saxophones, one trumpet, bass, drums, and piano. Okay? Okay. Right? And in those days, there was music printed with copies of all the big bands arrangements.
2: Oh, like the charts, you could the just, The charts, oh, and, and you could buy, and they
0: were maybe a dollar right. and a half, you could get music. Right. That, that all the latest tunes, mm-hmm. the hot wow. tunes and everything, and the way they were orchestrated, you could play it with four people, you could play it with six people, you could play it with 10, right. 12, you, you know, it, you didn't need the three trumpets and the two trombones right. and the five saxophones. And so there were uh, many, many young kid bands, right? right? And they had music stands, cardboard music stands you would buy. And we bought these little rests, little red vests and bow tie. And and we started to make money. Not a lot. I think we got $3 a job. But you got to understand money in those days. My father, I think, was making $30 a week, Mm. you know. So if we did two, three jobs a week, and we had $9. Yeah. yeah. And my parents let me keep the money. Never took anything from me, which other people didn't have. Mm -hmm. So we had this little band, and I, I studied with a, who was supposedly the best teacher in the Bronx, which Stan Getz, you know that name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the other students with me.
2: Was he a great trumpet player? No, he's a saxophone Saxophone player. He's a jazz saxophone player.
0: And uh, the war started in 1941. I was 16, I think, at that point. And uh, I knew I was going to get drafted. And sure enough, When I became 18, I knew I was going to get drafted, and I went into my saxophone teacher's Mm. studio and there was a sign on the board, do you want to play in an army band? Mm. Well, come on. I mean, first of all, it could save your life. But second of all, it's it's something I would really love to do, right? And so I signed my name and got a call. We rehearsed. It was about, we had about 35 pieces and we played all the marches. Mm -hmm. We learned the marches. Um, Should I go into this? Yeah. 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 It's fascinating. Okay. The fellow that was putting this band together was another 18-year-old, all right? It so happened that his father was a podiatrist, and he was the podiatrist for the Rangers hockey team. <laughs> Before each game and after, he would examine their legs, examine their hands, and... The rangers were at the Madison Square Garden, of course, and the president of the Madison Square Garden, who has been a colonel in World War One, was made a general in World War II, and he was leaving Madison Square Garden to a camp in Virginia where he was going to be in charge. Two, actually, two camps. And they needed a band. <laughs> and the podiatrist, said to the general, I have a son who'll get you a good band, right? This 18-year-old, right, who was like me in a different band, 18 years old, right? Only he was a terrible musician. He fronted the band. (laughs) But the general said, well, put a band together and I'll listen to it, and he did. And we went to Madison Square Garden and we were in the Rangers dressing room which was big room, all concrete. Mm-hmm. And picture a, a band, a 30, 40 piece band, <laughs> playing right. marches with, yeah. with six trumpets and, you know. Yeah. And we sounded
2: glorious. Right, good acoustics. And
0: they said, write your name and social security number on the back of your music, hand it in, and about three weeks later, I was in the army. Just like that in a band in a band
2: wow wow incredible
0: we went to Newport News Virginia which was a uh, they build ships there mm-hmm. and also the the troops going to Europe would take a train into new into the station and get on the boat wow and so our band used to go out and play for them as they went on the boat the general loved us kept us there for three years despite whatever Washington said right. kept us there for three years and when war was over we went home. <laughs> I went in an amateur saxophone player and came out a professional yeah. because I was with professionals Right. and two months later I was in Hollywood, California with a band uh, going to the Hotels, pools that we had read about in the newspaper. <laughs> yes. Eating at the Brown Derby. I don't oh know if gosh. you know that name. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, having an affair with a <laughs> local <laughs> hat-check girl. Oh and God. and my life was yeah. changed. Oh, it was yeah. changed. And so I went through the minor bands first and then ended up, as you said at the beginning, with... Tommy Dorsey and Benny Goodman. I, as I was coming here, I passed the theater around the corner where uh, Colbert, Stephen Colbert. Oh, yes, Colbert, yeah. yeah, yeah. I spent a year with Tommy Dorsey there. Every Saturday night, we had a show, uh, a, a, like a, an Ed Sullivan-type show. Yeah, like a review-type show. And like every that. Saturday night, we had a show there. Then we would get into a bus and go to the Pennsylvania Hotel, Cafe Rouge, and mm-hmm. play for dance music that night. Oh. And in the morning, we had a show on NBC radio. It was the highlight of my life.
2: Were you playing in, it sounds like, a bunch of different groups, or was it the same group of people that were all playing together? Uh, with well, with when
0: I games? was with the to- Dorsey Orchestra, yeah. or Benny Goodman, no, it was we, the or- we were, we were orchestra, an yeah. orchestra, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, ha- I have to ask,
3: what's it like being in a room with Tommy Dorsey? <laughs> Frightening. <laughs> 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 no, he, he,
0: he was tough. But uh, he was such a marvelous trombonist. He was so marvelous that you had to respect him. He had gone through a period of drunk drinking, mm-hmm. but that, when I was with him, he didn't drink anymore. And uh, he demanded the best. But he was a little uh, too much with his criticisms and things little things would get him off. You know? I remember one night we were in a hotel and we finished at one o'clock in the morning. You know, that's that was the job at right. that point. And he didn't let us leave. He said he had to have a rehearsal. The rehearsal was because he was mad at somebody in the
2: orchestra. But he wanted everyone else to stay. and And we all
0: had to sit there, and he sat in the middle of the ballroom on a chair and he would call out a number and he would, one, two, three, and tap it off. And then we would play the number and he would sit there and nod, his eyes almost closing. And then we'd finish that number, and then he'd, he'd hear the silence, and he'd call out another number. Wow. And he had us there for about an hour. That's crazy. And at the end of the at end of the hour, he p- purposely picked a thing that was very tough on the brass. Right? <laughs> and then we finished that, and he said, all right, good night, heels. And that was it. Wow. So he was a little bit strange, oh, yeah. a little bit too... Trumpian, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but he was a marvelous musician, and it was a great orchestra, mm. great orchestra. Was yeah. Benny Goodman the same way? No, Benny Goodman just lost in himself. He would, he just, you know, pick his nose on the stand, and <laughs> but again, great, great, my idol. He was my idol. Oh, would, yeah. yeah, were you starstruck the first time you met him? By that time I, it was too many years. Mm. I was I felt when I was in high school and I had to write a letter to somebody, what about I, I don't remember the exact thing. I wrote a letter to Benny Goodman trying to get a job. <laughs> and it was my life's ambition to work with Benny Goodman. Oh. And it was at this period, nineteen fifty seven, that I finally got to work with him, and it was disappointing, not after Tommy Dorsey, because Tommy Dorsey had new music coming in all the time, yeah. new orchestrations, oh, yeah. keeping up with where where we were. The sound was, yeah. With Benny, we just, we sat in a hotel and played the 1930s orchestrations, the same thing every night, mm-hmm. whereas with Tommy, it was different every right. night. It was a whole different thing. Am I glad I did it? Thrilled. I I got my ambition. I lived out my ambition, but it wasn't what I thought it was <laughs> going to be. Huh? Yeah. That happens sometimes, yes. doesn't it? True.
3: <laughs> um, when did you move back to New York from living in Los Angeles for so long?
0: I never lived in Los Angeles. Oh, but you were playing there a lot. We just yeah. came in with a band and mm-hmm. played and then left, Yeah. You know? It was quite different being in bands. People may not understand now especially the big bands. They were like rock stars. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the band leaders married the Hollywood, act, big Hollywood actresses, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It was yeah. like, the first band, I, when I got out of the army, the first band I was with was, you wouldn't know that name, it was Bobby Sherwood. We, first job we went to was in Memphis, Tennessee and the band came in. We were living in the same hotel that we were playing in, and I went down to breakfast in the morning, and the waitress showed me a picture of herself nude. <laughs> I was a musician, right, with a big band, right, and that's the way. I mean, we used to. I used to have to give autographs.
2: That's amazing,
0: right? Yeah. You know.
2: Because there was more <clears throat> venues for, for live music as well. I mean, Well, like, not only that.
0: When you turned on the radio, what you heard yeah, was big bands. That was the popular music. You, yeah. you turn on now, you
2: know what you hear. Yes. Right? Yeah, you're right. Wild.
0: Yeah. I mean, you didn't hear Elvis Presley. Right. But then that changed to where the singers became more important than the bands. Yeah. Right. right. And then of course the music changed the style right. of music. And uh I th- a, a music style that I thought would last my lifetime was gone. Right. You know, it was gone.
2: Yeah, it's and and did you did you realize it while it was happening that it was fading away that oh, yeah. musical story? Yeah. You could see it as it oh, was happening. Sure. You realize that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. While I was doing the. Every Saturday night with Tommy at the TV show that we did, right. our guest was Elvis Presley. Mm. Oh. It was the first time he was on television. Oh. It was our show. And I didn't know anything about him, but I was told, this guy is filling baseball parks. He's filling football stadiums mm. throughout the United States. And it was our doom. Yeah. 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 He was very nice. To
2: yeah. He was? <laughs>
0: he was. Yeah. How do you get into a room
3: with Julie Stein and Stephen Sondheim? How do you get into Gypsy?
0: When I did Gypsy, the original Gypsy, yeah. right, that you're talking about, I was still a player. I didn't get to have intimate relationships with the composers, mm. they were frightening to me. They were above. I mean, when when you think of who was in that room, you know, not only Julie Stein, but uh, Chicago. What's John Cander. John KANDER oh, right, was the he was dancer doing the dance arranging. arranging. Yeah, yeah. John, John KANDER, Julie Stein, uh,
3: Jerome Robbins
0: Jerome was in the room. Jerome Robbins. Think of them all. It it's frightening but I was a player you know I was just you know. later I met Julie Stein because I had did, done and well actually
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Except, Well, I have a story for you. Good. I did two or three shows with Julie. One, he was the director. Started a director, and then they let him go. <laughs> I forget the name of that. I did Subways Up for Sleeping. Oh. Right? Which was... Not a very good show. <laughs> what I remember about that and Julie, because he became friendly with the musicians and I was friendly. It was on a different level. We spoke to each other, right? He said he had the secret of how to do a hit show in his back pocket. <laughs> and, of course, the show was bomb.
2: No, it was <laughs> terrible, <laughs> right?
0: That's the show that David Merrick found different people with the same
2: names. Yes. Yes. That that stunt, that marketing stunt right. of the that's, of the that critics. Su- that
0: was Subways Up for sleeping. That's that right. That he did that. Right. Same I names know. as the critics. And that's, then he had these simple people say what they thought of the show. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
2: right. Great, great. That's, Walter know. Kerr, love yeah him. yeah, uh, exactly. That's I mean, pretty yeah. brilliant when you think I'm about a, it. Yeah. David Merrick, only he could do that. Um w-
3: I'm going to ask you, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but who are some of your favorite composers in the musical theater world? Whose music do you enjoy listening to the most?
0: George Gershwin.
3: Mm. Yeah. The best.
0: And I'm doing, am I doing one now? No. Well, American of
1: Paris. Oh, right. That's right. That must
0: have been great. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the last show I did. I No, don't. I'm involved right now, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. you're doing Carousel right. now, right? Carousel, Hello Dolly. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah. And on the road I have American in Paris <clears throat> and Bright Star. That's great. Bright, Bright Star. Great. Star. I love
2: Bright Star. Yeah. I, love I Bright you. Star. That was yeah. really great.
0: Oh. Wow. So
3: I should probably ask you now, what does a music contractor do? What is the role of a music contractor for uh, our listeners? Okay.
0: Well, I guess most important, he hires the orchestra. But he also has to deal with all finances that deal with the orchestra and the music department. Has to deal with renting, buying instruments, renting instruments. Has to deal with the rehearsal schedule. And most important... There are always issues that come up, contractual issues between management and the union. And you have to be completely aware of every little item in the contract and how to deal with, with problems, right? We. I don't want to talk about the union problems because the union president is a friend of mine. Oh, sure. So, but we just had a difference of opinion between what the show wanted to do and what the union wanted to charge. Mm-hmm. And it's part of my job to figure out how to protect management if I can. Right. And in this last, we have, we have had this problem going on and I solved it, you know. And that's what they hire me for—to right. right, solve it. So the guy who waves his arm is the mu- is the the music. Everything else that that has to do with the orchestra is me. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy the
3: process of problem solving? Do you enjoy the process of negotiation?
0: Very much. Yeah. Very much. <laughs>
3: Coordinating all of these instruments is obviously a challenge. What is the most challenging assignment you've ever had? What What is the craziest you want a what
0: in the in the band?
3: I need to find a what.
0: All right. I, 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 I may be sort of answering sideways. I love that. One of the first things I contracted for. Nell Nugent, was a play, and the play, the director wanted what he calls a tea T-House Trio. Tea house Trio were very popular, and particularly in Europe. Mm. It was <clears throat> in a restaurant. There would be a violin, a cello, and a piano, mm. right? And still, we just made it, we made a trip to Russia last year, and one of the places that the boat took us to was a, some ballet dances, and they had, they still have it there in Europe, in the Tea House Trio. But the director wanted one of the, and they're all women, three women. He wanted one to be very tall and thin. He wanted one to be very overweight and one to be very short. All right. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. That that was a problem. And right. Then, and then I had another one with we did a for them play Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. He wanted me to hire a violinist that looked like, what was his name, the actor, was very tall and thin, and he had sort of a, not Jewish, but a Mm -hmm. hook, a little, and I went crazy with that. And I went to Juilliard, I put things up on the board. I, and I would get small Japanese guys answering, and I, didn't, and I finally found a couple, and I brought them in for him to see, and he said, why do you always have these Jewish noses, right? <laughs> 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 so ultimately, we hired a tall, thin violinist, and they put a prop on his nose.
3: Oh, that's funny. Okay, okay. That's- but you like the challenges.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I like that and, and you know, I, I must admit it. I get paid. Yeah,
2: well yes, I mean, but it's you not get. Just getting well, essentially, paid. essentially, it's you have two different jobs, right? You have you have your job when you're playing as a musician, right. and then you have this contracting business right. as a side. Right.
0: I've quit playing. Oh, you I, have. When you I was know. ninety,
2: I quit playing,
0: because oh. I was with Chicago. Right. You were playing the original I, 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 *Bible*. And the original. And the original. Uh, I never in a million years would have projected that Chicago would run as long as it ran. Yeah. Never. Yeah. So I kept saying to myself year after year, Mm. when are you gonna quit? When are you gonna quit? (laughs) And I kept saying, but I was always afraid of being bored. Mm what am I going to do I'll be bored well I quit when I was 90 I haven't had a minute of boredom <laughs> all right. for the last four years right? so yeah. be- besides saxophone what else do you play clarinet flute piccolo you know all the f- all the, pic- the flute instruments all, mm-hmm. all the different clarinets the different saxophones
3: is sax still your favorite though yes
0: yeah yes
3: and so do you still play at home no really
0: mm-hmm. you just put it all away I can't I can't. It's it's too much. Because mm-hmm. when, when you play this next one, you gotta find a read. You have to. It's it's too much. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you. Uh,
3: you said you didn't think Chicago was gonna run run as long <clears throat> as it did. Was there ever a score that came across your desk that you thought to yourself, "Oh my gosh, this is gonna be a huge hit. This oh, is gonna run I forever." I have a story.
0: Oh, I great. Have a story. Okay. I was hired to contract a show for Charles Charles Strauss
2: called Annie Two. Yes, yeah. yes, Miss Hannigan's Revenge. Yes, <laughs> right. yes, Miss Hannigan's Revenge.
0: And I went, the first time I heard anything of the show was a backer's audition. A backer's audition, they get all these people with money, uh, women, people that have uh, contacts for groups, large groups, put them together and give them an idea of the show. And so it was Charles Strauss at the piano and the director whose name you mentioned before. It's Martin Charnin. Martin Charnin, yeah. I think Martin told the story and he may have sung, I'm not sure. Charles did that, and they went through it. I left that, and I called my wife. I said, it's going to be a giant hit, mm-hmm. giant. I said, because it's not only for kids. grown-ups are going to love this. We went to Washington, D.C. to break in. I went to all the rehearsals. Throughout all the rehearsals, I'm saying to myself, this is a great show. The first night that audiences came in, I was sitting in the back of the theater, and I watched them walk out. Oh wow. In throngs, not just four people, not just five people. Intermission, a lot of people. The show was like a satire. And audiences don't necessarily understand satire. Mm-hmm. And to them, this woman wants to kill Annie. Right. And they didn't see any humor. Mm. To me, I know she's not gonna kill her and I know that this is a show and I know it's gonna happen and I see it for the humor that it is. And that's why I thought grown ups would understand it. No. Nobody understood it. We opened in Washington and closed in Washington, yeah. never came back to New York. Yeah. yeah. Then they rewrote it. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: And I did that too. Oh, yeah. We were in a small theater in the Second Avenue.
2: That's right. And they recorded it and everything. Yeah. They, yeah. Then yeah. we recorded it yeah. as well.
3: I don't think we asked you earlier. Do you remember the first Broadway musical you ever saw?
0: You know, when I was young, my mother used to take me to theater. Oh yeah, but never musicals. She oh, what'd you see? She plays. Oh. Do you remember wow. any of the
3: shows you saw with your mom?
0: I think one I saw—I don't remember the name of it—but I think Paul Muni was in it. Oh my God. Yeah. A great actor. And he was a lawyer. I don't know. I—I I think the first musical I ever saw was. Um, uh, Guys and Dolls. Oh, wow. And then later I did Guys and Dolls. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Is that
3: is are those those pinch me moments when you come full circle, when you do Guys and Dolls again, or to go from Gypsy, the original, to then being the music coordinator for Gypsy and the
0: revival? Right. Was that a pinch me moment for you? Well, Gypsy is uh, odd that you say that, because it's my favorite show.
2: Oh, yeah. Is it really? Yeah, did, yeah. did you know, even when you, that original, when you sat down for the first time to play those orchestrations, that you had something special, that this was yes. a special show? You yes. could tell right away. I mean, even that, the overture alone is yeah. just like... absolutely. Oh, my gosh.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I remember Julie Stein telling the trumpet <coughs> player in the overture,
0: stand up when you
2: play that, stand up. Well, that solo was insane in that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Although... The revival I did had a sensational cast. Mm -hmm. And we didn't run that long. No, you didn't. Sensational. Every one of them. Mm -hmm. Top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How have Pitts
3: changed from when you first started out to... to Very
0: much. Very much. When I started theater... There was a union regulation, and most of the large theaters were 25 musicians. They had to hire a 25-piece orchestra. 25. 25. 25. 25 25-piece orchestra, they had to hire. And that's why those scores are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, Through negotiations, and once, once synthesizes, being able to use, and now it's beyond that that they have these where you can put the whole orchestration right. in electronically, and you can change the tempo on it. You, kind of tempo click. Can, <laughs> you can a You just yeah. can. T- yeah. You know, we've become the musicians have become weak, and you can't. Neg- it's difficulty negotiating. Because we can be replaced. It happened at uh, Radio City.
3: Right. Oh yeah, when they got rid of live and it was all a click track, right? Right.
0: And after that, the contract changed, right? Right. You know. So from the twenty-five, I think now maybe the most fifteen. Yeah. Uh, But more than that, that gave them the ability to move the pit down. All right. Did you ever see a movie of of the old movies of a Broadway show? Oh I love that. And they would show you the kid you'd see the stage and you would see the base Sticking up.
2: Yes, yeah. yes, right? yes.
0: Because to hear the orchestra, we didn't use mics. There were no mics when I first started, right? And we were then, when I sat in the pit as a player, I could look up and see the stage.
2: Right, you're almost in front of the stage. You, you're, yeah, yeah, you were
0: in front of the stage yeah. and you looked up and you could see the stage. And you learned how to play softly, you know, and. Right. and orchestrations were written so that, so that you could hear the actors sing, and then you hired Ethel Merman kind of voices because you needed that big yeah, voice. Yeah. Right? Well, now they moved the pit down, pushed it, well, even if they didn't push it back, moved it down, mm-hmm. made it smaller. It's under the stage, basically. now. And yeah. under. Yeah, right? right, and put more seats in the theater. Right, and so the seats took the place of the band. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where we are. Right,
3: and and aren't there even some shows where like the drummer is in a different room? Oh
0: yes.
2: yeah,
3: no,
0: that. Oh yeah, well, de- up, up to the whole orchestra being in a right. different room. Really? Yes, definitely. That's got to be a mixing nightmare. Yes. I'm assuming. Right, but uh, they've learned to do it. Sound yeah. has learned to do it. But yes, many shows they're divided. Strings are put in a separate room. And I think in in any in uh, American and Paris we had the percussionist right, yeah, in a know. different room. Right, right. Luckily for Carousel, we're in the Imperial, and that pit is still large. Yeah, and so I have 25 people in the pit. You do. Wow. Mm. Yeah. How
3: yeah. how long does it uh, a band rehearse before the first sits probe a week a week
0: well wait a minute no the sits probe is not a week the band usually rehearses two days before the before the sits probe oh interesting we do six hours each day twelve and then the sits probe in the afternoon we hold three more in the morning fifteen hours and then the sits probe it's a week about a week or eight days before the first performance. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Shows, Broadway shows, we six weeks with the cast. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, well, there's always the pianist. But uh, sometimes there's a drum. Uh, certain art shows. Dreamgirls, there was a whole rhythm section. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's it six weeks I've been doing encores at City Center for 25 years one week the cast rehearses and then they come on that stage they know they know the parts they don't even look at a book anymore they've learned the choreography it's fantastic (laughs) it's fantastic it's exciting yeah
3: So, do you just have a Rolodex of all the drummers in New York, all the (laughs) saxophonists? Uh,
0: No, I have my list. You have your list. I don't have all. All would be very. I would love to have all, Mm -hmm. but I don't. I have a list, uh, large, quite large. But uh, there are always new people, because many times who you want is not available. How do you find new people? It's, it's simple. Subs are constantly coming into shows. Do you have to approve the sub? Usually, if I'm asked, I do. Usually the conductor approves him, you know, because he's in close contact. I'm in Forest Hills. <laughs> <laughs> With your bologna sandwich.
3: <laughs> uh, what, is, what do you look for out of a music director? What's, what's the ideal collaboration between the music director and you as the music coordinator?
0: I, since I grew up as a sideman, am very tolerant. Mm. And... I understand the problems of a side man. I understand that these players who are depending on Broadway for a living, never know how long a show is going to run, um, need their outside connections, need to take off so that they keep their connections. And so I'm very tolerant. I expect that from a conductor. If I don't have it, I have to deal with it in some way, but it's not because I trust that the conductor knows how to do this, right, how to wave his arms. And I trust that he's a musician and knows what a good musician is and what a a bad one is. And if they have suggestions to who they want, which they all do, I trust that if I know them, that I agree. If I don't, I'll bring it up. But the conductor's the boss in that case, Mm -hmm. right? But tolerance is what and understanding is what I expect and want. Yeah. Yeah. And enjoy working with. Yeah. You know. How do you keep morale up
3: amongst an orchestra a band that's been doing it for so many you are doing the same thing night after
0: night after night? It's difficult. Difficult. Not only really that, you don't want arguments within the group who are there every no, night. It's toxic. Principally I do think about personalities I, I'm very careful about in hiring of mm-hmm. uh, personalities of not having people it's very rarely in fact I can only think of one time that I turned a conductor down mm-hmm. who wanted somebody who I knew is trouble I, otherwise I'm, I'm Pretty good. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you a story about after working for Julie Stein as a sideman for many years, he late in life he, he got a call to do Red Shoes. Yes. Oh yes, infamous. Yes. And the general manager wanted me to be the uh, contractor and mentioned my name to Julie. He said, well, I knew him when he was a kid, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but at any rate, he said, but I, I don't know him as a contractor. I have to interview him. So, the, the general manager came to me. They arranged the date. And the general manager, myself, went to Julie's apartment, beautiful apartment on yeah. Fifth Avenue. Oh, wow. And... I was welcomed at the door. We went into his study, which had a nine-foot grand. And he said hello to me, and he said hello to him. Now, I had prepared, I had seen the movie Red Shoes. I knew it was symphonic, uh, classical. So I said to myself, Julie doesn't know me that I know classical people, right? right? So I went to my, and I don't have a resume. I think I'm the only person in the music business that doesn't have a resume. (laughs) I went through my past. I worked with the ballet, New York City Ballet. I worked with the uh, record date with uh, Jules Levine and the opera orchestra. I worked with the American Symphony so, so that I know these players, to show to them that I know these players. And also... I did movies, I contracted movies with 70-piece orchestras, and not just Broadway, you know? He knows I know Broadway, that's what I'm thinking, right? So I have this all prepared, and I actually wrote up some stuff. And so he welcomes us, we go into his study, and, you know, pleasantries, and then he sits down at the piano and starts playing the songs from Red Shoes, right? Mm -hmm. And we listen. Well, of course, I'm listening to the songs. They sound like Julie Stein. They don't sound, but at any rate, I'm listening. He finishes playing, he gets up and he walks over to me and he says, okay, you're hired. (laughs) 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 Wow.
2: Sounds like he just wanted to show off his songs. Yeah, just that easy. <laughs> just that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, that show didn't didn't go away. Oh the way God, it was
0: terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. <laughs> and we, yeah, that's the music what we're department, the music department, we're sitting there at rehearsals, and we're listening to what's going on, and we're saying it's unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable, and then general manager who hired me is sitting in the theater on the other side and I go with him he says this is going to be a giant hit (laughs) you know there's a joke I told it just yesterday to somebody but it's an old joke and it says there are two secrets to how to have a hit Broadway show and nobody knows them
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's good
3: (laughs) (laughs) so how does it feel to get a phone call and say
0: congratulations you're getting a Tony Award that floored me yeah that floored me I never expected that uh I didn't feel that they were aware of me on mm. that level, mm. right? I know I dealt with general managers, I dealt with composers, I dealt, but I, I didn't know that the league had me on their list because there never was a uh, <coughs> right. coordinator that was given a an right. award, and since there hasn't been either, I don't think. Uh, it did floor me. And so we came to the affair, and there were four awards, and they saved me for the last. Is that the best or the worst? Yeah. <laughs> well, they saved Patty for the last, right? So let's be honest about this. The other three also had. Something to do with the show that they were involved with then. And the singers would come on and s- sing to the audience mm-hmm. and sing a song to the audience, right? Patty, come on. First of all, she said, I don't want the mic, right? Of course. And then she didn't sing to the audience, she sang to me. Oh, oh. wow. And at last, eight bars. Oh, and they, they did new lyrics. So the bridge, oh, right. they used the lyrics of uh, Mr. Goldstone in the bridge where they, different kind of stones, Different yeah. kind of, they were different kind of reds, <laughs> right? And then the last eight bars, she came off the stage, she came over to the table where I was sitting on, and we both finished the song together. Oh, wow. that's so sweet. I mean, it was, you talk about I mean, Memories, as if
2: getting about. the award is enough. And then you yeah. get to have that uh, yeah. Personal. experience. Personal, Jeez. yeah. Well, it's a testament that shows the impact you had, you know, on her too. Yeah. Well, we're,
0: we're, despite the fact that I don't remember names,
3: we're close. <laughs> you're doing great, by the way. <laughs> so we don't even remember our own names yeah. sometimes. So I would be remiss not to ask you, where did the nickname "Red" come I from?
0: I had bl- bl- flaming red hair. Uh, really? Yeah. That wasn't always great. <laughs>
3: Good day, Mr. Thomas. Good day, Mr. Schneider. Well, it has happened. We finally hit over 100 iTunes reviews, and we'd like to thank each and every person who took the time to do so. Huzzah!
2: Now (laughs) we want to climb those charts even faster, and that is where you lovely folks who have not yet rated us come in. The process
3: is very simple. On your podcast app, tap the search tab, enter our name behind the curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, tap the search key, tap our beautiful logo, tap the reviews, tap write a review then tap your way into our hearts
2: <laughs> tap your troubles the away It's nice rob once you are there you can rate us from one star to five stars think of one star as herve the v- <laughs> rob how do you say this name herve village oh dear God. I walked right into that one think of one star as herve via and ima sumac in sideshow and five stars as front row seats to the opening night of gypsy buddy kiss me yeah, they kicked me for the first time. I thought that was pretty good. We want to get good reviews, Rob. We want to get good reviews. Excuse
3: me, Arthur Lawrence. <laughs> Excuse me for trying to liven up our commercial ads a little bit.
2: Eight minute long commercial.
3: <laughs> I. It's an infomercial at you this could... point. I'm going to be like that lady that sells you the copper pots.
2: Look at this. You
3: can put 400 pounds of manure in it, and it <laughs> slides right out. Then you can
2: make an omelet.
3: You got another line, Kevin? Got a, got I'm a, waiting
2: for you to say, plus you can leave your comment and let oh, us know if you're sorry, liking what you guests
3: are <laughs> like. To hear plus, next. you can leave a comment to let us know what you are liking, <laughs> what you're not liking at this point, mm-hmm. or what guests you'd like to hear next.
2: So head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think of our little show. Speaking of little, I'll tell you a story about Charles Lawton later. Thanks, guys.